beautiful bar stool. All right, we got a good one today. I've got my friend Andrew Foxwell back on the show, which means when we talk some Facebook stuff, we'll talk ads, we'll talk Instagram, we'll talk stories, and we'll start taking uh, some questions from the audience as well as we uh, we stream this live to PHC Elite, our private membership. If you're interested in that, by the way, go to johnloomer.com slash PHC. This is a good one, so sit back, relax, pop a bottle. Let's do it. Hey everybody, this is John from JohnLimmer.com and John Limmer Digital on Facebook. Here's another edition of the Social Media Pubcast, where each week we invite you to the virtual pub and we get drunk on social media. So this week, I've invited my friend Andrew Foxwell back to the show. We generally meet once a month or so, but we talk much more often. And we're going to get nerdy with some Facebook ad stuff. How you doing today, Andrew? Oh, man, I'm doing good. I'm doing good, you know. I'm, I'm feeling good, getting ready to go on a road trip uh, a week uh, next Sunday. Tell us about when it. when we start. So. Uh, we're going to be actually cruising from... Madison, Wisconsin to Columbus, Ohio, through to New York and Western Mass, and then into the east, into south south of Boston, and uh, and then be cruising up to Montreal and into the Adirondacks and everything. So, yeah, we're excited. We're excited. It's bringing the dog and, and cruising, uh, having a great American road trip in August, uh, trying to take a little time. It is like I did a very similar trip as a kid. So I was, oh, yeah. I was in seventh grade, and uh, we lived in Michigan at the time. And I don't remember the, the exact route because I, I wasn't driving. I was in seventh grade. Sure. Uh, and, you know, we, we took a, a camper with us, behind us. We lugged it. I, my parents still have this camper, by the way. Oh, yeah. Of course they do. <laughs> <laughs> of course and, they do. Uh, <laughs> went uh, through New York, to, and we went to Cooperstown. And up through Canada, it might have been the other way around, I remember. Up through Canada, I went to Toronto to watch a Brewers versus uh, Blue Jays game, of course. Oh, sure. And uh, went back through Michigan, uh, and like the UP, and, and uh, Mackinac Island, and went camping up there. And yeah, so, so it was that whole loop between somehow mm-hmm. Michigan, New York, Canada, Montreal, yep. Quebec City. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's gonna. I'm very excited. It's gonna be awesome. Uh, and uh, yeah, we love road trips. How it kind of our company started. So it's good to, to good to get us back out there. Um, it forces me really to work smarter in mm. a lot of cases. I think um, because the working smarter uh, part of it allows basically me to be more efficient with my time because I only have a certain amount of time. I can't just sit at my desk and answer email, mm. right? So it's like it kind of has to condense the work and be very intentional around, uh, you know, this is what has to get done. So I like that a lot. Um, so I'm excited. Will you be pulling a pop-up camper? No, uh, no, we will not. We we would have been, uh, potentially, but we have Wingra and we like to, st- we like to kind of hang uh in different hotels and whatever else, so um, it's I'm, a fun. I'm pretty sure we. Experience. I'm pretty sure we brought our dog when we went. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> no, no, for sure. Yeah, we actually bought the. We bought a new uh, used 
car, but new to us. Yeah. Uh, and she fits a lot better in that car. So that it, it's working out perfectly. Nice. So lots of stuff going on. Um, yeah. And, and Facebook still kind of in this uh, very uncertain period. Um, their quarterlies came out and stock market kind of crashed on them a little bit. Yeah. Lost a whole bunch of market cap. I mean, a whole bunch of market cap. And, um, you know, the, the alarms are firing a little bit. I mean, I know this wasn't mm-hmm. on our top topic list to talk about today, but sure. I don't know. I, I think this is all kind of going back to the beginning of the year, especially the beginning of the year when all this started to come up, all the privacy stuff and, and everything else. And it's really kind of hitting ahead right now. I mean, what, what are you thinking about all this? I mean, I think, you know, a lot of it, first of all, Facebook predicted that this was going to take place. Um, regardless, even before the Cambridge Analytica stuff, they'd been talking about and had been saying for like two years that there was going to be a slowdown in the amount of inventory, specifically as it relates to the newsfeed, which is the most profitable place in Facebook. Um, and so this is not a surprise to me, to be honest. It's not a surprise that we see the, the, we see the uh, numbers declining. Um, it's just that I think they had been saying it and Facebook had still beat earnings for yeah. so long that by the time that it actually happened, they were surprised. It, it was also, you know, it was, it was hard to see um, the numbers of the amount of people that actually like the DAUs dropping in certain countries i mean the u.s it was a little bit in the uk it was even more uh so i think that's on the core facebook app and i think what you're going to continue to see is more of this shift from facebook and instagram into instagram um because you know there's there's more there so i'm not freaked out about it i do think though that there the market penetration of facebook in the united states and in let's say the uk australia it's probably as you know, it, there's not much market, more market saturation you can have. I'm having a hard time speaking today. So I'm not surprised by it. Um, I think it's just a shock to the system because people were, they didn't understand how sort of, <laughs> how nuts that might be on the stock price because people had just expected such explosive growth for a long yeah. time. Yeah, I mean, it is interesting in that, oh, first of all, it was the slowest growth quarter ever by far. For Facebook, yep. and the second slowest was the fourth quarter of last year, and people freaked out about that. But what, what's kind of right. interesting is that everybody's like, "Oh no, it, the growth stopped in the U.S. first time ever, no growth at all." Right? You know, but there comes a point where it's like it's been around for 14 years, Facebook. So right. there's going to become a point where it's not because they're necessarily not necessarily because their problems with the platform or anything like that. It's like you get a certain percentage of users, you're not going to get more, you know, it's just right. kind of the way it is. Um, and understanding too, that you're adding new users and then people drop off and delete their account or stop using it entirely or whatever. And so you still are getting new users. It's just not growing, which it's going to happen. Um, right. I, I guess the question then becomes, you know, is Facebook growing enough in other countries, the, the emerging markets and things like that? Which apparently right now they're not. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess we'll keep watching. I, I thought it was interesting timing that they did that. And then the announcement came out today that they're rolling out all, all these uh, new features to help you 
uh, control the amount of time you spend on Facebook and Instagram. Mm-hmm. You see that come out today? Yeah, yeah, and I think that's I think I did, and, and I think that's that is something that Facebook sort of knows it has to do because right now a lot of the the DAU dropping on you know DAUs dropping on Facebook specifically, and just talking about Facebook the app itself, not talking about Instagram. The big thing there is that people have, they've given a lot of feedback that it is not something that contributes to their life, I think. And 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 that's, Facebook has heard that loud and clear. Yeah. A lot of people just feel like it's a waste and it doesn't, uh, it doesn't, it's not healthy if they're on there. And Facebook has said this too, that if you spend too much time on it, you know, it, it can be detrimental. Yeah. Um, so I think that, uh, you know, in, in looking at the, the way that they're a, approaching it uh the it's smart from a business angle to start to give people more control um as it relates to time on site because ultimately that will lead to higher profitability if they can say yes our time on site dropped or the number of usage dropped but the quality of that usage went up right um how do they know that's better and how it's gonna measure, how do you measure that? Pe- the quality yeah I would assume you measure quality based on um, inter- engagement, interaction, uh, time spent looking at some posts versus others. Yeah, more than you know. I think, I think like, they, yeah, they are trying to like uh, limit the um, passive, passive scrolling and all that stuff. Now that that's the one thing that I saw the criticism of this. And I was just, by the way, I was just checking my phone, not because I was showing how addicted I am to checking Facebook, but to see if I had this new feature, which like, I've been, it's supposed to be rolled out in the U.S. today. But one um, complaint is that it doesn't allow you to control the passive, like count count how much time you spent passively just scrolling without doing anything. Um, it's just sure. a matter of like how how much time you spent on Facebook during the day. I I feel like I need it because I don't feel like it, the amount of time I spend on Facebook positively contributes to my life. That doesn't mean I think I need to stop using Facebook. I just, I'm tired of the passive scrolling personally. Yeah, right. I think it's much more intentional. That's exactly yeah. the way that I'm using it too. And I think that's, that's the way that a lot of people are moving to it. Now, you know, you think about from a business angle as well, um, you know, Instagram is, is seeing exponential increases in their business. I mean, uh, and the challenge for Facebook is how do we integrate new ad units into Instagram that are not going to push people away? So Instagram stories did not used to be really, I mean, even two months ago, a predictable placement in terms of performance. And it is, it is now more so. It, there's still some ups and downs with it. I mean, I do a lot of testing with Instagram stories. Um, it's still like a little up and down, but it's been better. Uh, so that's something that I think you'll continue to see more to, to me. I mean, Instagram, you now have collections ad, yeah. uh, collections ad unit that you can use there looks great. Um, and so I think you'll see more of that and the, the design of Instagram being a thing where it's more around hashtags and it's around discovery and, and that experience is one that they're clearly looking for other ways to monetize Instagram TV is another one. Yeah. Right. So, so that's sort of, I think in terms of how it affects what we do as advertisers, it's going to be, oh, we need man. to start thinking really in an Instagram. Yes. Mindset yes. And I am most guilty, uh, of being slow to adapt to this. 
Um, Josh Constein, I, I know you read our friend Josh quite a bit. I say our friend. He, mm-hmm. he didn't know who the hell we are. But uh, quite a bit. And he put out something the other day about um, basically a future, potentially, what saves, I say quote unquote, saves Facebook, um, at least financially, is unskippable, unskippable stories ads. And, um, you know, that's kind of the direction that Facebook has to go. It's also a direction that uh, advertisers have to go because the prediction is within 2019, yeah, 2019, Mm -hmm. next year, not far away, stories are going to become more common than regular posts. That freaks me out as someone who doesn't create stories, who doesn't create Mm -hmm. ads for stories, who doesn't do a lot of, you know, video ads and slideshow stuff um so basically what what it's saying is we need to adapt and create ads that will grab a user attention within a story when they're going to start in um um, interacting with those more than regular posts as opposed to like just throwing a link out they're not i know we we do better than that but putting a link out there where we just have to worry about facebook pulling in the preview and all that stuff and putting a good little description now we got to create something like truly create something that's engaging and interesting that pe- aren't going to piss people off when they're looking at a story so it kind of right. completely changes the game for us i mean uh, what, what do you think i mean are you already doing much with stories what are you doing yeah i mean with instagram stories absolutely and the performance of them under the conversion objective has been up and down like i said but it's sort of becoming more predictable i think that the non-skippable story you know there's gonna who knows i mean the the interactivity even around stories of sharing what you're listening to and sharing you know what i'm saying there's a lot more there and so to me it's like what else can they do to make it interactive like now they have the question and answer thing um and so that is really interesting to me they've also lost the discussion the discovery thing is getting there, um, discovery feature, I should say. So, you know, you're discovering more hashtags, you're discovering content, it's suggesting things to you. And that's something where if they did that right, it's like a trending topic in, in some opinion. I mean, in some way, right, where you're trying to, you go there to find out what's up kind of and what's really happening that day that's beautiful. Not like it's trying to be Twitter, but it's it's giving you a temperature on like what is actually really cool to see that particular day right Mm. um so that's kind of the way that i think about it um or i'm kind of thinking about it now but i'm curious how you or the typical instagram user views stories and creation of stories because there was something that i found really interesting in josh's post about stories and why you know we're we're moving in this direction that it's going to overtake posts saying that there's less pressure that's on on the user it's easier to create a story so you have to think up something deep and profound to say that's just sharing photos and, and video and stuff personally i find sharing the photos and videos and stuff of my day much more intimidating than just sharing a link with some thoughts or sharing text or whatever so i'm curious if i'm just the the exception there if that's like a gen x or not gen x that's like a young younger generation type of situation versus older generation Mm -hmm. i guess i'm older generation now um sure i don't know how do you look at stories 
Are you using much personal, like personally? I'm not just. I'm not even saying as an advertiser, as a yeah. marketer. Personally, is this something that that you've been doing a lot with? Yeah, I do. I do a lot with it when we travel, and yeah. then like sometimes I'll do like a highlight reel of what's happened that week. Like some people are really on it, but the 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 lightweight feature of getting the contribution is a big deal. Yeah. Um, and you know we've done produced Instagram stories as ads and non-produced and depending on the brand, they, they both work. So I think that that's a really good point. Um, sharing a, sharing a link is to me a way to start a conversation, which to me, it's not something I really want to have on Facebook with all of my friends on Facebook. <laughs> so yeah. that's why I don't engage there that much. Um, yeah. unless I have something, that is what I would say like a bigger piece of content. Like Gracie and I were on a podcast and uh, we posted that yesterday. Gracie posted it. And that's great. We want to share that with our friends and family. And it was, you know, something that was bigger. But, you know, I shared this morning an Instagram story of what Gracie and I have been up to. Winger, our dog fell asleep on her squeaky toy. We went on a bike ride. Like that's the stuff that I wanted to share because I wanted to let people know, like, hey, this is what I've been up to. And, and it's been, you know, and then people will bring it up to me when I see them in person or talk to them on the phone if we're not in the same area. So that I like that part of it because it is less like and it's fun. You get to put stickers on it and other stuff and it, it can be goofy. And so I like that a lot. I think that's a lot of fun. And clearly other users feel that way. Um, because I think DAUs are much, much higher on story. So for sure, it looks as if we have some questions actually yeah. too, by the way. And before we get to those, I just you know want to wrap that up. Uh, I think the key word you mentioned there is it, it's fun. I mean, the, the, yeah, it's fun. The, right. the, the interesting thing to me is like, I look back and that Facebook on this day, and I look at the way I used to use Facebook, and it's kind of mm-hmm. sad. Like it, it was fun. Like I would share, share links, share all this stuff. Lots of conversation below them. Sometimes it got ugly with stupid debates and things like that. And that ultimately kind of changed the way I use Facebook. Like I use Facebook completely differently now, and I miss the fun. I really do. So may, maybe stories will bring yeah. it back. Maybe I need to finally take a much deeper plunge into Instagram and I, I miss the fun. All right. Yes. We have lots of yeah. questions. We have lots of questions. <laughs> uh, a lot of them from JR, which is yeah, great. JR, you can stop now. Uh, by the way, anyone listening uh, to the podcast, uh, so we're streaming this to PHC elite right now as well. Everyone's phone will do. So Antonio says, hey, gents, love the podcast. Thank you, Antonio. Any tips for outbound marketing for client acquisition for a small agency with 10 or so clients? I think you can probably relate to this. Yeah. Andrew. Yeah. Who wrote, I didn't see this one. So who wrote Ant- this question? Antonio. Antonio Bori said, any, oh, cool. any okay. tips for outbound marketing for client acquisition? Uh, for small agencies. So that's kind of a broad question. Yeah. I mean, for small agencies, the biggest thing that I, a lot of it that I've seen is, is it centers around like, like Facebook ads themselves. It centers around credibility. Right. Um, and I think this is my personal feeling. Some of you may disagree. I think personally that if you're running Facebook ads for your agency, you're not going about it the right way. Because in my opinion, the so much of what we do as advertisers is based on the credibility that comes from the knowledge economy. Mm. So the 
I was no one like, I mean, I'm still no one pretty <laughs> much, but like, like, you know, I have basically gone through and looked at all of the podcasts that are in the space. Um, all of the people that I admire and I reach out, how's it going? What's going on? And I get to know them and I follow them on Twitter and I find out what they're interested in and what they're learning about and how they think about it. Right. Um, and then I say, Hey, are there ever leads that you don't want (laughs) or that are too small? Um, because I have an agency that we could potentially help. And, um, I've written a lot of content. Um, you know, the nice thing about the Facebook ad world is, you know, there are a lot of people that good content will surface to the top. So like, uh, you know, if you're going to write a specific topic, there's a gentleman who I believe is maybe, I don't think he's in PHC elite, but I, I know he's been on some trainings. His name's Tim. I follow this guy, Tim Halloran is his name. He works at a small agency. He sat down and actually written articles on, everything from business manager deep dive to uh, how I tested Quora ads and how they worked, right? Just like a whole, like a totally different random topic, right? But um, that surfaced because he put it out there and then I saw it and other people saw it and had a conversation. He put it in a couple groups and things like that. So I think a lot of it is around what's the content you can create? Who are the people that you want to connect with that are maybe bigger agencies that could send you business? If Because if you say, hey, look, I'll grow this and send it back to you, then it's a win. Maybe you want a really big client, then that's a different story. But that's something that, that I've kind of done that I think would be big. Um, and, uh, you know, also going to... Uh, communities where these people are. So e-commerce fuel is one, right? There's one that my co-host of the um, podcast that I'm on uh, with my buddy, Austin, he runs a community called brand growth experts. Um, and so there's these communities of e-commerce brands as well that are always looking for advertisers that I think could be helpful. So that's kind of some of the tips that I would give in that regard. Good. I like the tips. All right, we awesome. got we got lots of questions. Um, see, trying to see if we should. I don't know Jr's got a whole bunch of them. Um, so he had a question about uh, Foxfall Digital, Andrew. Oh, okay, great. So, so when building your brand, what is it that worked for you in the beginning? What works now? I mean, when, you know, when we started in the beginning, um, it was a lot around uh, the, they're basically really the same. A lot of it was around um, connection and around uh, being genuine. Um, You know, it was like my goal and has never been, our goal of Mike Gracie and I has never been to grow it to be some massive company. It's always been to grow it in a way that feels right. That's really helpful to people, right? That's like a huge core value of it. So, you know, leading with that was big. And what worked in the beginning was meeting people like you it, and, and it was meeting people um, like that were connected into other communities. So I think about, um, you know, Josh from post planner back in the day, right? Mm-hmm. Like post planner, think about, yes. uh, think about, um, you know, pe- meeting people like Emmerich, uh, meeting yeah. people um, that are, 
connectors and then getting to know them. So I knew my old agency boss, David Rodnitsky, big guy in search engine marketing, also a big guy known in the Valley. So I spoke to him very regularly because he was having lunch so often with uh, Silicon Valley people. So like, what are they asking about? What's interesting to them type of thing. Um, And so as we've grown, the things that have changed is now there's I'm able to go in and be have another level of legitimacy to these people because I have been training, done trainings with you, or I've written um, and, uh, on your blog, or I've been a guest on the Perpetual Traffic podcast, or I've been a guest on Steve Chu's podcast, or whatever it is, right? And so um, now I go in, and uh, what's, what works now for us from a business standpoint is... Um, being even more explicit about what we do and don't do. Um, and the more explicit we are and the less that I try to sell, the better it works. Yeah. <laughs> so like, um, we just actually inked a deal today with a new client and, um, I actually sent a proposal to them and came back a day later and I was like, I shouldn't have sent that proposal. That was not the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Here's what I actually think that I can do and what I can commit to. And he signed it immediately. So, hmm. um, the, to me, the less that I try the, <laughs> like, it's great. Like, I mean, cause if I push it, it doesn't feel natural. It's not the right yeah. thing. Right. So for me, instead of lining up and saying like, here's what I want to do, here's what I want to achieve. Um, and then just sort of following those things. Like I want to be more helpful to people and I want to make sure that I'm taking really good care of my free time and like being intentional about that. Uh, and I want to make sure that I'm sharing knowledge that we're giving with as many people by creating content. So the podcast, other things, uh, those things are like out there and they bring stuff in and sometimes they do, sometimes they don't, but that's kind of how what's different is a long answer. Sorry. No, it's yeah. I mean, I, I think back, uh, so not only to the beginning, well, definitely in the beginning, my, you know, my stubbornness and just relentless content, even when stuff wasn't working ultimately paid off because eventually just finding something that clicks with people with an audience and gets traction and all that stuff I think was really important and like all those connections that you're talking about really really important but I'll even look at like recently so we're at man let's see about seven years actually seven mm-hmm. years this month um, since I started johnlimmer.com and <laughs> one big difference this year compared to last year, and you're well aware of this too, Andrew, is when we did trainings last year, uh, we almost probably had too many people in some of these trainings. Like it was almost it was too it was almost difficult to manage like all the questions were coming in and all that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. and, and this year it's a it's a far smaller number of people per training that, that attend. It's still a good number, but much smaller than last year. I think a big part of that is last year I was still churning out that content and kind of like what you're saying, not always selling. So a lot of the emails mm-hmm. were going out had nothing to do with selling products and my, my latest training and all this kind of stuff. And this year when you hear from me, um, most of the time it's because, hey, I got this latest training and you're like, okay, I got you. You're still trying to sell something to me. And that's you know not really consistent with what I would allow me to build the business in the first place in the first six six years. So sure. it's also a balance. There's a reason why that's happening now is because I'm spending more time away from the business. And so I'm not writing a lot of content, creating a lot of content. 
but a lot of lessons mm-hmm. learned. I mean, it, it kind of drills that home is that if, if you're always on, always trying to sell something, it's harder to do it as opposed to if you're always out there uh, giving something for free. And by the way, I've got this other thing out there. If you want to pay for it, that seems to work really, really well. Yeah, I agree with that. Totally. I agree. <clears throat> and it's always a, it's always a balance. It's always, you know, you always striking a balance with that. It's never easy. Yeah. That's why I'm also, we're working on uh, changing things up a little bit next year and rest of this year, just trying to get as much content as we can uh, without necessarily leaning on, on me to create it. So whether it's Andrew or Lucas or, or somebody else, uh, we need content. Oh, man, lots of questions coming through. So Jordan asks, what conversion event do you typically find works best for your dynamic product ads? Normally purchase, um, I mean, for the most part, unless it's, unless I'm not getting enough traffic. So early, you know, if, if it's early on and you're not there and you're not, you know, even if you're not getting out of the learning phase and stuff, optimizing sometimes to get more traction for an ad to cart can be helpful. And I, sometimes that will work better actually consistently than a purchase. Um, so it's good experiment, but it's, it's always almost purchase, but I would say 30% of the time we'll try add to cart as well for an optimization for the event there. It's something to think about there. Um, a new ad- addition to DPAs recently um, this is, I think, especially would apply to anyone with a high price product where you're probably not going to complete a purchase online. Mm-hmm. Is you can now um, use forms, so basically lead ad forms within your DPAs. So highlight, you know, use use the DPAs to bring in, you know, all the stuff from your website, whatnot, and then when they click on it, it opens up a lead ad form. So if you're selling a house, selling cars, whatever, so when you click on that, you're going to be completed a form to get, have a salesperson call you. It could be right. really, really effective. So um, anyway, it, it's sort of on topic, but I just that, that came to me because that's something that, you should, that uh, people should definitely be trying out. Oh, absolutely. Um, let's see. Chris, Chris is a long question, so see, see if uh, let's, let's try to keep all this together here. He says, uh, my audience is around 400,000 total on Facebook. Ran a conversion campaign. Killed it for about a month. Uh, sounds like a, uh, a, a scaling type question. And it started to slow down, so I created a lookalike based on the leads I've generated over the last six months. Seed audience is about 700 people. Current lookalike he's running is performing okay, but of course some of the people opting in aren't my target audience. Am I able to run a conversion campaign targeted to a lookalike audience and a conversion campaign with a new creative to my original audience with no audience overlap to see if I can jump start my opt-ins again for people who are more like my ideal client? Will these two campaigns compete against each other? If I understand correctly, and I don't know if you're seeing the question there too, Andrew. Um, it yeah. Looks, it sounds like he's got two completely different audiences, though. He's got the lookalike audience and he's got the original seat audience, right? That he's targeting. I mean, th- those, those won't, there won't be any overlap right. there. So they're, you're right. So I think you're in okay shape, to be honest. So, yeah, no, I, I wouldn't. Uh, I don't think so. I mean, if you've tested it under auction overlap um, or excuse me, audience overlap, that's good. You can, you can also use, you know, Luke's new uh, overlap uh, tool that he put up in his blog post today, which is pretty cool to be honest. 
um, yeah. and is not a way that I had traditionally thought about it. So um, that would be another way if you can read his latest blog post on that. Um, but I don't think so. I don't think you need to worry about that too much. The thing that I think is more important is um, something starts to work and I've been stuck in this like a hundred times. So that's why I say this. Something starts to work and then because that works, you think that it's like the only thing that's going to work and it, I become overly dependent on that thing, right? So you always have to go and think about the, the horizontal scaling methodologies around like how, is, how are you going to continue to diversify the amount of traffic that's coming in that is from different types of users on prospecting? So an example of what I'm saying is, um, okay, you have, uh, you have your lookalike of those people that are great that have opted in. Okay. Those people are your opt-ins and they are fantastic. Now you may also have another segment of users that are engagers. They engage with your lookalike or excuse me, they engage with your page often. Okay. So engagers are, has more data, generally speaking, if you're using social proofing and so on. And it also can be better for uh, warm, warm traffic, middle of the funnel type of stuff, right? So that may be a different type of person than a converter. So having a lookalike of engagers may not want it. You may not want to lump them. You feel what I'm saying here? Yeah. Another one is a lookalike of like a 30-day website custom audience, which is all traffic. Then you can start to create segments of lookalikes because there may be not that much overlap between these two things. Many, I mean, or between these audiences, and you can then have a diversity of things that are coming in based on di- diversity of users. One is clearly your best, but just because you're focusing on that only doesn't mean that creating a three percent is going to be the solution of that, right? To make it bigger, so you may want to just try it and make it more diverse. So that anyway, that's a rant. Yeah, well, and something else to think about, Chris. Um, I mean, what you're doing is exactly like what a lot of people do. Um, I mean, it's it's logical to think, okay, I'm going to run look like audience of the people who've already registered, <clears throat> who, are, who are leads, um, in order to promote this thing that is going to generate more leads. The reality is, though, and I, it almost sounds like this is what you expected. The quality of that is is going to be lower. Um, also understand that just because these people are similar to those who were already leads doesn't mean they're ready to be leads the first time I see your ad. So kind of along the lines of what Andrew's talking about and talking about horizontal scaling and everything else, um, I'd be much more inclined to use that lookalike audience to showcase something that has nothing to do with a lead yet. Um, so it's just something to kind of inspire them and get them engaged with you could be you know uh, a popular blog post could be a video could be something um and then kind of get them into your funnel and those who engage with that stuff okay you're so you're targeting the look like audiences to get all that engagement those who engage with that stuff they may end up being uh good candidates for leads so that, that's right. the way i would look at it too to kind of trim the fat a little bit on that approach yeah, that's a good that's a that's a great point We've actually already been talking, <coughs> excuse me, for about 30 minutes, amazingly enough. Okay. Um, awesome. Anything else that you want to talk about real quick before we go? Because I know we didn't even really even touch our plans for today. No, I think that I think that's good if, if there's uh, not any other uh, outstanding questions. Well, um, JR has like 30 questions out there. 
<laughs> well, we can go a little bit longer if you want to. Well, no, I'm just saying JR is about 30 questions out there. J- JR just likes to, I don't, I don't even know how JR's brain works sometimes. <laughs> I really don't. He, he's going he's gonna to comment on that, I'm sure. So, oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I, I, well, um, well, no, I, I think that we've covered a lot of ground here and uh, always look forward to, uh, to these and chatting with everybody. So uh, thanks, thanks for the great questions. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. And thanks, Andrew, for joining us once again. Once again. Uh, where can people find you? You can always find me at andrew at foxwelldigital.com is my email or foxwelldigital.com uh, or at Andrew Foxwell on Twitter, which is ironic as a Facebook advertiser, but it's where I find a lot of value and talk to a lot of people. So you can also, you can find me out. Yeah. You can also find Andrew doing lots of training for us too. So what, what was it? Five different training, six different training programs. Yeah. 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 You can always find me on the trainings. Absolutely. And they are, uh, they're, ton of fun um and a lot of deep dives and uh and look forward to more in the fall so absolutely awesome all right andrew thank you sir thanks everybody until next time do awesome things we're out